water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anything. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to What's Oppa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Ben, who read the intro. This is episode 33 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing City of Walls and Secrets. Ooh. Yeah, so the first thing I want to highlight here is the music that plays uh, during the title card. And this is a theme that we'll hear later on, and it's used to represent the Dai Li. Um, but not only is it just kind of a very creepy theme, it is also kind of um, a variation on the regular Ba Sing Se music. Um, so when the gang enters Ba Sing Se in a couple of scenes, uh, you hear the like grand and royal Ba Sing Se music. Um, but this one is kind of just a lot more mysterious and changed slightly so that it sounds a lot creepier. And I think uh, music is used really well in this episode and um, is kind of just used to show the like dark underbelly of Ba Sing Se. Neato. Looking forward to your additional music analysis because, um, yeah, definitely didn't catch that. So... Cool. The first scene is the team on the monorail going into the city center. So we see some earthbenders actually pushing the train manually through the agrarian zone. Yeah, something cool to note is they're pushing it over this very tall bridge above the agrarian zone. It kind of reminded me of the Roman aqueducts. And I don't know if the period of time that the... Forbidden City is placed in a history that the Chinese have in, like discovered like arch technology and bridges yet. So it just looks a little out of place, but it's interesting to note. Mm, mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. And then we see two animals which look like normal deer. I don't know. Did you guys think they were or identify these animals? So on the wiki, they're called fox antelopes or foxalopes, as one user said. Um, but it's not confirmed by any official sources and we I don't see. see them come up any other time. So could be just the beginning of the creepiness, but no, that's cool. Fox, fox elopes. I like it. Um, yeah. And then Katara says, look, the inner wall. And I just thought it was cool, uh, to note how bored team Avatar looked before, Katara points out the inner wall just so you get like a good sense of how long this journey really is even with the invention of the monorail the team like team avatar just looks like so like bored out of their minds um and then Katara says I can't believe we finally made it to bossing say in one piece and Sokka says hey don't jinx it we could still be attached by some giant exploding fire nation spoon or find out that that the city's been <laughs> submerged in an ocean full of killer shrimp um, and I just thought, wow, like Sokka's finally learned his lesson to not jinx himself and not, you know, bring on the wrath of the universe. But um, I think he does it again very soon. An Wu would like a word with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Katara and Aang are looking out the window and Aang looks really sad. And Katara's like, don't worry, Aang, we'll find Appa. And Sokka's like... He's a giant bison. Where could someone possibly hide him? So yes, two seconds later, he <laughs> he jinxes himself again. Um, and then, yes, finally they enter the inner wall and it's absolutely huge. Yeah, I really like this shot where they kind of pan out and show the entire city. And it's just this like crazy metropolis full of houses and and so much stuff. And it's bigger than any city we've ever seen in the show. And one thing just to comment on like the technology that Justin brought up, there is like this one kind of factory looking thing with smokestacks coming out of it. So it seems like even Bossing Say has kind of hit the point of industrialization or they're at like the very beginning of it. And yeah, that'll probably change the city a lot, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So apparently the lower ring of Basingse, which is where we are in now, was inspired by a few villages in the Yangtze province of China. But in Kora, allegedly the lower ring was modeled after the Kulun Walled City, which is a slum outside of Hong Kong that no longer exists, but it's where you know, thieves, uh, heathens of society would go and build their lives there. And it was like this lawless just block where people just kept building up because there's no way to build out. And it was just this massive shanty town. Mm. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I wish Avatar explored the verticality of the lower ring a little bit more, but we do get to see that in Korra. Yeah, so then Team Aang gets off the monorail and they're back in Ba Sing Se and Toph comments, back in the city, great. And Sokka's like, what's the problem? It's amazing. And Toph says, it's just a bunch of walls and rules. You wait, you'll get sick of it in a couple of days. And I didn't really make much of this comment until I started doing research, but people were saying that, oh, this means that Toph has been here before. And so I just thought it was really interesting because she's never mentioned it ever as they've been trying to make their way to the city the entire time. And she hasn't given any sort of information about what the city is like, where it is, what the experience is going to be like. Um, so I thought this was a bit of like discontinuity, I mm. guess. Um, either that or like she just sees it as a general city and hasn't exactly been to Bossing Se specifically. But um, it seemed like an online consensus that Toph has been here before. Mm. She's still salty that uh, Sokka's into Suki. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so then we get off the train and we see the train pass by. And in between the train cars, we see a very mysterious looking woman that is slowly approaching the gang. And right as the train passes, she shows up right in front of them. And she looks really creepy, has this creepy smile. And she's like, hello, my name is Judy. I've been given the great honor of showing the avatar around Ba Sing Se. Shall we get started? Yeah. And one thing I thought was like really strange was you get that super eerie shot of her across the platform. But like the next second, she's on the same platform as Team Avatar. So she's not only creepy, but like has like creepy superpowers. Kind of like Long Fang too. Later teleportation. Yes. Mm. Like the just for, um, you know scenic or cinematic it's a cinematic device i guess to make things more creepy because her and long fang can just teleport to like the right position at the right time <laughs> um but yeah apparently there's a real world parallel for this type of like guide who kind of hovers all the time um and that's in North Korea, because apparently they require all foreign visitors to Pyongyang be tended by state guides at all times and actually, I also read that on the Wikipedia page for Pyongyang, there's a travel advisory that's like, by the way, when you're with these guides or like when you're with the city, just like be careful and just don't say anything negative about like the state or anything um, and you conceal your feelings or whatever. So pretty <laughs> creepy stuff. Wow. Yeah. So Judy was based off a line producer for the show named Mikken Wong, or Miken Wong, I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. Um, but this producer was actually really cool in the sense that they helped form the show from a very early stage. They helped like pitch the idea by sending posters to the animation studios. And in addition to Mark Taylor, who is a general manager of Nickelodeon Animation Studios, helped form the early vision for the show. So mm. kind of cool that they modeled Judy after them uh, because their personality was, uh, quote, infinitely chipper. <laughs> <laughs> and then they turned her and made her into like a creepy like <laughs> stalker. It's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, so Sokka's finally pumped that there's someone they can tell everything they know to. And he's like, yes, we have information about the Fire Nation army that we need to deliver to the Earth King immediately. And Judy's like, great, let's begin our tour. And Sokka's like, what the heck? You, did you not understand? Judy's like, you're in Ba Sing Se now. Everyone is safe here. And everyone's like, what is going on? Then Judy shows them around the lower ring. Uh, she says, 
Ba Sing Se has many walls. There are the ones outside protecting us and the ones inside that help maintain order. This is where our newest arrivals live, as well as our craftsmen, artisans, and people that work with their hands. Yeah, and I just thought it was really interesting because, I mean, obviously people here do not have good lives. And I just thought it was like, why are they even taking Team Avatar through this part? Because it's clearly mm. like trying to like divide people based on class and like hide kind of the issues, sweep the poverty under the rug. And then they're clearly showing it off in this tour. I don't know. I guess like you can't really talk about the issues anyway. So even if you just see it, it's like fine because like you're not going to talk about it. Um, or at least like Judy isn't interested in talking about it. So like it's OK if they just see it. Maybe it's like the upper class people even take pride in the fact that they've separated the poor people out. You know, it might be like a token of pride for them that like, oh, this is the lower ring. The poor people live here and this is the upper ring. Like we all live here, you know, it's uh, like fine. just to like show off that like you're separated yeah. from um, all this. I think so. I see. No, I think that makes sense. It's very Bang Joon Ho. Um, cool. And Judy makes a very political comment. She says it's so quaint and lively. <laughs> <laughs> which I think are adjectives you give an Airbnb in a pretty sketchy place. Um, <laughs> and then Katara says, why do they have all these poor people blocked off in one part of the city? And then Aang responds, this is why I never came here before. I always heard it was different from the way the monks taught us to live. Yeah, so I thought this was a cool bit of continuity for Aang to mention that he decided not to come to Bossing Say before because as we rec can recall, Aang has been around for a long time and he's pretty much seen every place in the world except for Bossing Say. Um and yeah, it's because the monks, you know, taught them to treat everyone as equals. And so this kind of just like is completely antithetical to that philosophy. But another fun fact is that when Judy says that everything is so quaint and lively, we see a kind of menacing looking guy and we're going to remember, we got to remember his face because next week, this is the same guy who mugs Iroh or attempts to mug Iroh. Oh, wow. I didn't, I never would have thought that. That's yeah, cool. which is, which is really cool. Um, yeah, I love these little details, but. Um, yes, he looks scary now, but he's not so scary, I guess. He's pretty <laughs> ineffective. And he actually has this whole backstory, if you look on the wiki, um, for why he's poor and stuff. So even the v minorest of minor characters have their own stories. Wow. Isn't season two amazing? <laughs> <laughs> cool. So the next series of scenes is Zuko and Iroh have now situated themselves in the lower ring and they actually got jobs at this tea shop, the Pao family tea shop. And Jet is actually spying on them and just following them around because he wants evidence that they're firebenders and Smellerby and Longshot are like, why are you doing this? And Jet is like, no, I swear, like, I won't like we won't have to take care of it. Like, we'll just report them to the police once we get the evidence we want. So the next scene is Jet lurking outside the Pow family tea shop while Zuko and Iroh are being welcomed as tea servers by this guy named Pow, who owns the tea shop. Um, and just a fun fact about Pow's name, Pow or Paul means to boil or bubble, which ties into the fact that he owns a tea shop. So that's all you need to know about him. <laughs> just kidding. He's also just a good guy. He really stands up for Iroh and Zuko later and really fights for them to stay at his tea shop when they're trying they're being poached by the rich guy later. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's fourth tone. Pow. Pow cha. Oh, oh pow cha. Yeah, it's like tea. isn't like pow like bubble. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know, Justin. Help me out here, language expert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. Pao, yeah, it's still like Pao Cha. But yes, okay, it's Pao. Remember that as your word of the day. Um, <laughs> we have words of the day. <laughs> what a new concept. Okay. And then Iroh sips on some tea that is at 
house shop and <laughs> he's like black this tea is nothing more than hot leaf juice and then Zuko is like uncle that's what all tea is and then Iroh is like how could a member of my own family say something so horrible <laughs> which is like I don't know one of the funniest lines in this episode i think and then i just thought dude your family is a hot mess so your family has said a lot worse yet he's just the most hurt by this tea comment i think that's what i'll say whenever justin calls tea hot leaf juice i love that (laughs) i'm glad to be an inaugural member of uh the anand family oh of course absolutely anyways uh, we cut back to the Aang gang, and Judy says, The upper ring is home to our most important citizens. Your house is not too far from here. And I thought it was cool when you get to the upper ring, you see how much more spread out everything gets. And you can see that with the middle ring too, but it's like the upper ring is just so spacious. Um, and another fun fact is that it is actually impossible, apparently, to travel from the lower ring into the upper ring without a valid passport, which just like goes to show mm. how crazy the separation is, because I think from the middle ring, you can go to any of the rings, but from the lower ring specifically, you can't enter the upper ring at all. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, and another fact that I found online was that um, you can see the walls are sorry, the ceilings or the roofs are different colors depending on what ring you're in. But um, in the lower ring, they're brown. So like poor dirt, you know, just poor people. Um, The middle ring is green. And then the upper ring has yellow walls. So um, yellow symbolizes wealth and or gold, yellow or gold. Um, The same thing goes in like, I don't know, a lot of cultures. But like, I guess since the parallels are drawn most directly to like Chinese, ancient Chinese culture, yellow is like for gold. Uh, into the flag and everything like that and so i guess um this color is really used to symbolize the fact that this ring holds like the wealthiest people and a final fun fact is that um the this color coding isn't just something that the show came up with this actually was commonly found in ancient chinese cities where brown tones were used for commoner housing green tiles for bureaucrats and minor officers and yellow ones were reserved for nobility or temples or palaces or anything like that Mm. Gold actually has a connection to the emperor. In fact, the emperor's name in Chinese, Huang Di. Huang means yellow. Mm. Hmm. Good point. Good point. So then there's a really cool panning shot over the palace and all of its magnificence. Yeah. And of course, I think we've mentioned this before, but the palace resembles the Forbidden City in Beijing. And also the layout of Ba Sing Se resembles um, the city of Beijing, apparently, where there are several inner districts, which are separated by social class. Um, and then like the Royal Palace is um, reserved for royalty. <laughs> and then the outside is kind of similar to the Great Wall of China, meant to keep intruders out. Mm. Yeah. It's also kind of similar to ancient Mesopotamia, apparently, where a wall surrounded the city and then there were inner walls that kept the city divided. Another fun fact, apparently Ba Sing Se outside of Kiyoshi Island is the only other location that Chindin conquered did not conquer. Mm. Oh, wow. Yes. It's only been infiltrated three times. Twice by Iroh and then once by... Azula. Azula. Yes. Mm. <laughs> You're forgetting the fourth time. Momo, his momoness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the other best line in this episode. <laughs> cool. Uh, then it cuts to some menacing Daily agents that they pass by. And Judy explains that the royal palace contains these agents, the Daily agents, which are, quote, the cultural authority of Ba Sing Se. Yeah, so we get a good look, a good first look at our Dai Li agents and the menacing theme, the same theme from the title card plays. So we finally associate that theme with, with the Dai Li. Um, just a few fun facts about the Dai Li. Um, the first is that their like costumes 
are actually modeled after something real, which were the government agents, or they're called mandarins of the Qing dynasty in China. Um, and they have these like flowy robes with the emblem on the front of the robe. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then I was curious about the names meaning. So apparently it has a lot of meanings, like all the names in the series. Um, you guys can correct me on the actual pronunciation. Um, but apparently the word separately, like dai, means to wear a hat or something like along those lines. It's dai. Dai. Like fourth, tone. fourth tone. Yeah. Yes. Dai. <laughs> and li, I don't know what tone that is. Um, is apparently like this cone-shaped hat that farmers wore in China a lot, and, and it looks similar to the ones that the Dai Li wear. And I believe it's also fourth tone. Li. Yes. Oh, nice. But apparently when, the, when these two characters are put together, it means someone who's like acting or as an agent. Mm. So that, that's cool. And then there's another meaning, which... Um, there was this lieutenant general um, who was um, part of the Chiang Kai-shek like, um, administration, and his name was Dai Li. And he was the head of the secret police, like a spy master. And everyone was super scared of him. He was also the leader of this like ultra-nationalist, like, fascist group called the Blue Shirt Society. Um, so super scary dude. And it's also named after him. Mm. spooky spooky Aang who apparently is unfazed by this information uh, gets a little antsy and he asks can we see the king now and Judy responds oh no one doesn't just pop in on the earth king <laughs> and then Judy shows them to their new home uh, there's another cool panning shot of their house it's very idyllic and Judy says more good news. Your audience with the king is being processed and should be put in in about a month, much more quickly than usual. Are they parodying the supply chain issues of 2021? <laughs> <laughs> yes, supply chain of the Earth King. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Septopox is about to hit all of Bazingse. Mm. <laughs> Prime location. Seriously missed opportunity by the Fire Nation to get a hold of the Septipox stuff. Yeah, bioweapons. Uh, seriously. <laughs> Anyways, so about a month or more accurately, six to eight weeks, which Judy clarifies is a long, long time, especially for the Aang gang who is on a strict timeline. But Aang is like, OK, if we're going to be there or here this long, we might as well spend our time looking for Appa. So then they go to this pet store. And of course, Judy can't leave them unaccompanied. And the store owner is like, oh, I haven't heard anything about a flying bison. So I think, and I have this weird obsession with all the hybrids in the show. We come across <laughs> one of the coolest hybrids. Uh, it's a cat owl. And it's kind of weird because you wouldn't think like it's, you know, you, you know, like cats eat birds. I don't know if cats eat owls, but like. It's you're combining like the prey with the the preyed upon animal, mm -hmm. uh, and apparently the Chinese word for owl literally translates to cat-headed eagle. Whoa! And there's also an avatar idiom, which is two cat owls with one stone, which is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, and then finally, uh, D. Bradley Baker does not voice this cat owl. It's voiced wow. by a guy named Jason Miller. No. Wow. Are they trying to push him out? <laughs> <laughs> There's another animal in this episode that is actually not voiced by D. Bradley Baker. And I will get Ooh. into that. Wow. I sense a coup d'etat coming on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe D. Bradley Baker came down with Septipox. It's hard to say. <laughs> um. Yeah, but then Aang is like, if someone wanted to sell a stolen animal without anyone knowing, where would they go? And Sokka's like, where's the black market? Who runs it? Which is a good, good cop, bad cop moment. Um, and then the store owner starts sweating and Judy shakes her head in the background. And then the store owner is like, that would be illegal. Yeah. And then so following this, Momo gets in a scuff with some of the local fauna. And we see probably one of the most boring hybrids. It's a sparrow peat. 
which is <laughs> like a sparrow and a parakeet, I guess, which are just two birds. Yeah, it's pretty lame. Yeah. So the Aang gang kind of goes on a wild goose chase looking for people who have any information of uh, Appa, but they kind of come to a dead end. And they come back home and they're kind of dejected and they see this man peeking through the head of the window across the street. And so Sokka goes to confront them. And the guy's like, you're the Avatar. I heard you were in town. I'm Pong. And Sokka's like, so Pong, what's going on with the city? Why is everyone so scared to talk about the war? So I'm going to throw you some Pong facts. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Pong was originally intended to have another character named Ping for uh, obvious reasons, (laughs) kind of like the two brothers in the Painted Lady episode. Um, but they decided it wasn't funny enough to put it in the episode. Um, and then also the DVD commentary for this episode revealed that the writers originally intended, uh, as Joyce said, to have a much larger backstory and role, uh, kind of like the comedic relief role throughout this entire like arc. And he was going to be transported to like Laogai, but the Dai Li and everything. Um, but apparently they wrote him out of that too. So, unfortunately, uh, this is the last we see of Pong. Mm-hmm. Wow, tragic. <laughs> um, and Pong's like, he's trembling. He's like, war? Scared? What do you mean? And Toph is like, I can feel you shaking. And Pong says, look, I'm just a minor government official. I waited three years to get this house. I don't want to get in any trouble. Listen, you can't mention the war here. And whatever you do, stay away from the Dai Li. So, yeah, just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, more commentary on the bureaucracy and the stratified class-based society. That is bossing say. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, Justin's facts are really interesting. And, and I think this is one of the few things where it seems like things in the Avatar universe just, like, don't line up or, like, the planning didn't work out. Like, everything in this series is so well thought out. And then it's just very strange that we have this random scene with this guy named Pong and we never see him again. Or does it totally make sense because he, you know, blabbed and then the Daily gets to him and takes him away forever? That's crazy. Yeah. But I feel like everything that the writers plan usually just, like, works out. So it's interesting to hear about this time where it didn't make the cut anyways the next scene is team avatar back at their crib and katara is like i got it i know how we're gonna see the earth king and she says the king is having a party at the palace tonight for his pet bear and ang and Sokka are like what the heck you mean platypus bear skunk bear and then Katara's like no just bear and Toph is like this place is weird um and apparently Bosco the bear was deliberately portrayed as a normal bear because the writers thought it would be so funny to introduce a non-hybrid <laughs> animal um, into the world of hybrid animals in Avatar. So eh, I guess it is kind of funny. <laughs> but anyways, Katara's like, yeah, no, we'll just sneak in. And Toph is like, that won't work. No offense to you, simple country folk, but a real society crowd would spot you a mile away. You got no manners. And Katara's really offended. And she's like, what about you? Because Toph is like pretty disgusting, let's be honest. And then Toph is like, I learned proper society behavior and chose to leave it. You never learned anything. And Sokka's like, you should teach us. And then Aang is like, yeah, how hard can it be? And then this is just the best <laughs> scene where Aang and Sokka just put on their like cloaks i don't know just like random blankets i guess and then they start like addressing each other and it's like good evenings mr Sokka water tribe miss katara water tribe lord momo of the momo dynasty your momoness <laughs> and then they keep bowing to each other and eventually they bang heads and a fun fact about this is apparently in some I don't know, Asian cultures, I guess, you're supposed to bow lower to an elder than they bow to you. So that might explain this bowing contest where they keep bowing to each other and eventually they just hit their heads together. And Toph is like, yeah, you guys would be lucky to pass as busboys. And then eventually, I don't know, like Sokka and Aang just end up on the floor, right? Because they just banged heads and there's something that falls onto Sokka's face which is always the weirdest thing. But then I did some reading and apparently this is Toph's booger. 
So, <laughs> so we just back up a moment when Katara is like, what do you know about manners? You're disgusting. When she's like confronting Toph, Toph is like picking her nose and she flicks a booger onto the ceiling and you can see it <laughs> stick onto the ceiling. This is all very subtle. This is like the hardest to get joke of all time in Avatar. <laughs> so Toph's booger is stuck on the ceiling. And then at the very end of the scene, when Sokka and Aang are on the floor, Toph's booger falls from the ceiling and lands on Sokka's face. And it's this like random little dot. And I just like it never made any sense. And I feel like no one ever gets it. And I only got it after like my fourth or fifth time rewatching the show and having to read about it. So I don't think I, I ever noticed that something falls on Sokka even. Really? Uh, Justin, yeah, did you know. notice? I, just, I, I did not either. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's like a weird, really deep, really like gross joke that like just doesn't work at all. Detective Joyce. Yeah. Just so funny. So if you want to be grossed out, then, um, you know, keep an eye out. I see why they removed Ping now. <laughs> they cut Ping, but they didn't cut this gag. <laughs> So then the next scene is right before the party and Aang and Sokka are just passing the time playing a form of rock, paper, scissors, but for elements. Yeah, and I just love the Aang and Sokka bonding in this episode, but I thought it was interesting that Earth actually beats fire in this game. Yeah, is- yeah, I don't know. I was going to, I feel like that begs the question, like what beats what? And then I thought obviously water would beat fire, but also Earth beats fire. Maybe fire beats air because, you know. Yeah, I, I was thinking fire has to be air, given recent historical trends. Um, yeah. But so what what happens if you're opposite? Do you tie? I would think like air beats earth, maybe. Oh, so you're saying air and earth kind of tie and water and fire tie. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Oh, maybe. I like that. That makes sense. I was thinking earth beats fire, which makes earth like makes sense because earth is the next most powerful kingdom and really like they would be more powerful if fire didn't create technology oh Oh, you want to know something screwed up what if it's just water fire and earth because there's no more air (laughs) (laughs) that's an amazing theory let's go with that one oh no (laughs) (laughs) i don't think Aang would be down to play this game Oh my god. <laughs> Anyways, so Toph and Katara show up and they're all pretty and beautiful and cleaned up. And Aang's like, wow, you look beautiful and blushes. And then Sokka just like flicks him, uh, which is funny. <laughs> um, and then Toph is like, don't talk to the commoners, Katara. First rule of society. And Katara and Toph try to get into the party. And then the plan is to let Aang and Sokka through the side gate. <clears throat> uh, first of all, I saw a pretty good meme on um, the Order of the White Lotus, which is a Facebook Avatar fan group, where <laughs> they were like, oh, like, how far would Aang and Katara's romance advance if Toph let her speak here? Um, which, hmm. yeah, ooh, who knows? Ooh. Um, <laughs> but then the other thing I want to comment is the way Toph shushes Katara. She, like, fans out this fan. There's this, like, big whoosh sound, and, like, the fan, like, stops directly on her face. So... Toph here is showing off her Mm. mannerisms and prowess that she's learned. Mm. Um, The funniest thing to me is that at the end of the scene, Momo walks past in his gown and there's like a huge gong that plays, which is the (laughs) same gong we heard earlier when Ng announced Momo his Momo-ness. Amazing. So back to more serious things. Um, It cuts back to Pao's tea shop and there's a customer who says, this is the best tea in the city. And then Ira says, the secret ingredient is love. And then it's like <laughs> this whole Kawaii Daisy movement where his like cheeks have this pink line and he's like um, very obviously infatuated with this praise. Uh, but then Jet bursts in and he says, I'm tired of waiting. These two men are firebenders. And he like pulls out his swords right away. Uh, and then in the background, you just see all the customers just completely shocked. And then Jet says, you'll have to defend yourself. Then everyone will know. And Zuko like runs up before these two like obviously soldiers can take care of the situation, pulls the sword out of the guy's (laughs) sheath, and then he just starts fighting Jet. 
Yeah, so I just want to issue a statement here about how I was wrong about Jet and I totally forgot how crazy he is. Uh, I was like, oh, he's yeah, he's totally reformed and stuff. I thought I thought his craziness was the Earth Kingdom's doing, but no, he's still pretty crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think he deserves everything coming to him, but, you know, he is pretty crazy. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's quite sad to see. And actually, I read online somebody say that this actually it's another Jet and Zuko foil moment because we see Jet seemingly making progress and then regressing really hard, which is what mm-hmm. Zuko does later in the season as well. So I guess there's some precedent for like characters kind of having some trouble along the way along their reformation process. Yeah. So the next scene is the King's party or the bear's party rather. And Toph tries to use her Beifang passport to get into the party, but the guard refuses. And I just thought, First, it's kind of cool to see Toph's thing not work after it worked so well to get them into Ba Sing Se. Um, it's just a bit of continuity as well. And also, didn't Katara have an invite? And isn't that how she knows about the party in the first place? That or they just sent out a notification mail or whatever to everybody saying that there's a party to generate FOMO and not actually invite everybody. Um <laughs> Or it wasn't mail, it was just like a poster somewhere. I don't really know. Anyways, then Katara goes up to this man who turns out to be Long Fang um, and says, I'm sorry to bother you, but my cousin lost her invitations. She's blind. Do you think you could help us? Our family's inside and I'm sure they're very worried. And Long Fang's like, I'm honored. Please come with me. Yeah, so this is actually quite a distinct voice with a storied history. Um, which I didn't realize, but I, I think maybe some some others may may have realized that. But um, this voice actor, his name is Clancy Brown. His most famous thing that he's voiced is Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. But his voice is very distinct. And he also voices a lot of famous villains throughout a lot of series. So, for example, like Mr. Freeze from the Batman animated series and Lex Luthor from the Superman animated series. And other um, Avatar related voices he does. He does Yakone from Legend of Korra, which is another super villain. And the other thing he voices is Bosco. Mm-hmm. The bear. Whoa. Yeah, he gets the Man attribution for Bosco. Talents. I know. Mm-hmm. Long thing and Bosco. Mortal <laughs> enemies. <laughs> so another cool Long Feng fact is in Chinese, his name is Long Feng which means dragon and phoenix, um, which are both symbols for the emperor of China. Um, And this part I didn't know. Apparently there's a Cantonese colloquialism describing like a person or a group of people as putting on a show of dragon and phoenixes, which is a elaborate show with the intention to confuse, deceive, distract, or misdirect an individual. Mm. Um, And then one more connection, I think this is a little bit more tenuous, but I find interesting as well, is that the title of like Grand Chancellor uh, or like Prime Minister of like an ancient Chinese court arose during the Qin Dynasty, which obviously there's a lot of Qin-inspired architecture and clothing in this episode. Um, and the first Grand Chancellor was an individual named Guan Zhong, um, who is also very influential to his emperor. So mm. a lot of historical present here. Yes. Um, and so Long Feng takes Katara and Toph into the party. And inside we see Bosco the bear and he's <laughs> just eating a ton of food. So Katara introduces herself and Toph to Long Feng, and she says, I am Huame, and this is, she pauses, and she says, Dung. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom gives her this, like, most evil glare and, like, kicks her. <sighs> but another fun fact, uh, <laughs> Huame in Chinese means gorgeous. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Hua means flower, and Mei means beautiful. Wow, Katara. Uh, actually, another cool fact that's somewhat related. Uh, America is Mei Guo, which means Guo's country. And this is the same Mei, which means beautiful. So America means beautiful country. But in this case, it's beautiful flower or 
gorgeous and you know tough mm-hmm. is <laughs> done <laughs> <laughs> so long feng introduces himself as the cultural minister to the king and Toph and Katara try to weasel their way out of being chaperoned by him because that's how they got in. And Long Feng says, it would be dishonorable to abandon you ladies without finding your families first. And I think it's interesting that in this like high society, they use this concept of honor here to like manipulate other people into doing what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is kind of what is like Zuko's entire like struggle. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. So we now cut back to Zuko and Jet and they're fighting. Uh, this is pretty cool fight scene, but notably Zuko never firebends. Um, and then the Daili arrive and Jet says, arrest them. They're firebenders. And then Ira responds, this poor boy is confused. We are just simple refugees. And then Pao says, this young man wrecked my tea shop and insulted my employees. And then the soldiers who are in the store, they respond, it's true, sir. We saw the whole thing. We saw this kid attack the finest tea maker in the whole city. And Iroh blushes on the side. Um, <laughs> but I just want to comment here. Uh, a, the soldiers just stood on the side and did nothing this entire mm-hmm. fight. Um, and then B, how are they not suspicious, at least in the slightest bit of Zuko, who just turns out to be this masterful swordsman uh, who is also like the hand at this tea shop? I don't know. I always found mm-hmm. that a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Dai Li did too, but mm-hmm. I don't know if they ever caught on. Yeah. But then the Dai Li go up to Jet and they pull him away as he like is kicking and screaming and saying they're firebenders. Yeah. And a fun fact about the Dai Li and their fighting style is that they wear gloves and shoes made out of earthen materials in order to firebend on the go. So like their gloves are actually just made out of earth, which is how they can just shoot hands everywhere and also arrest him so fast with binding his hands in earth, I guess. And also their shoes are earth, which makes it so that they can move really fast and also stick to walls, <laughs> which we'll <laughs> see later. Um, yeah. And then uh, Smeller B and Longshot watch Jet get taken away. And a fun fact about Smeller B and Longshot is apparently there's a rumor, according to Avatar Extra, so I'm not just making this up, that they were involved romantically. Wait, what? Really? Mm-hmm. Whoa. I had no idea. Yeah. It's another ship yeah. for you all to hop on. <laughs> Smeller, Smeller B. Shot. Smeller Shot. <laughs> <laughs> Or long be I like smeller shot. I like smeller shot. But one thing I will say is I kind of was a little surprised that they did nothing while um Jet was taken away. And like I guess you can say, like, what would you expect them to do? Like they'll just get taken away too. But I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they grew more distant from Jet like through this episode when they realized he was getting crazy. But I just felt like their loyalties there's I don't know, their loyalties like do lie with Jen. They just like shook their head and walked off like as Jen was being taken away is kind of surprising to me. Yeah, I think you're right. And also they do spend like the next few episodes or like kind of the rest of the season like searching for him, right? Or at least like when Jet reappears, they're like, we've looked, we've been looking everywhere for you. Mm, yeah, so I, yeah, this is a little bit out of character. I, I agree. Cool. So back to the party, Sokka and Aang have actually been able to sneak in pretending to be busboys just in time for the king's arrival. So the king arrives in all of his like glory with all his soldiers and in his little palanquin thing. Then Aang tries to approach the Earth King um, and he's like, I like I need to talk to you. But then meanwhile, the Daili actually arrest Sokka, Toph, Katara and Momo. Well, not arrest, but kind of like muffle their mouths and like take them to this back room. Um, And Long Fang intercepts Aang's meeting with the king and says, your friends will be waiting for us in the library. And so there's this eerie library, which is lit up with a green flame that they're now in with Long Fang. So you clearly know that this guy is absolutely no good. <laughs> um, and Sokka's like, we have information that could defeat the Fire Nation. And Long Fang's like, the Earth King has no time to get involved with political squabbles and the day-to-day minutia of military activities. It's my job to oversee the rest of the city's resources, including the military. And then he says... 
It is a strict policy of Bossing Say that the war not be mentioned within the walls. Constant news of an escalating war will throw the citizens of Bossing Say into a state of panic. And yeah, just so we'll have a lot of like, I don't know, mind or language control similar to 1984, where you can't mm-hmm. speak of things. And if you do, then like Big Brother is watching, like the like Pong suggested. And yeah, it's just like the perfect dystopia. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to Jet getting arrested and he's in the famous hypnosis shot where he's strapped to a chair and there's a small light orbiting him. And I don't have a lot of comments here. I just want to mention that on the Avatar subreddit, there is a guy who has created a video of Long Feng performing Notorious B.I.G.'s Hypnotize. So I highly recommend that you all go see it. Apparently it took me five <laughs> hours to make. Um, Holy crap. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, cool. Anyway, so then uh, Long Feng continues to say, our economy will be ruined. Our peaceful way of life, our traditions would disappear um, in continuity with the previous scene. Uh, And then it cuts back to Jet getting arrested and the agent says the most famous line almost in all of Avatar. There is no war in Bossing Se. There is no war within the walls. Here we are safe. Here we are free. Terrifying. And Longfin continues, in silencing talk of conflict, Bossing Se remains a peaceful, orderly utopia. The last one on Earth. And Tara is indignant and she's like, you can't keep the truth from all these people. They have to know. And Aang too is like, I'll tell them, I'll make sure everyone knows. And Longfang retorts, until now, you've been treated as our honored guests. But from now on, you'll be watched every moment by daily agents. If you mention the war to anyone, you'll be expelled from the city. I understand you've been looking for your bison. It'd be quite a shame if you were not able to complete your quest. And then another Judy arrives to take them home. And it's different from the other Judy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is like so creepy because actually the shot like pans up from the back of this new Judy. And then you realize that this new Judy has different hair and then it goes to her face and her face is like really different. Um, and she's like, I'm Judy and her voice is different, too. And it's just very creepy. Um, but I, I just want to comment on like how these last few scenes with, well, the jet scene being brainwashed and the long fang in the library scene are sequenced. Like, I feel like the pacing of it really builds up very fast. Like the way they switch back and forth between long fangs dialogue and then jet being brainwashed. Um, I feel like it builds a lot of like, it's like very thrilling. And I feel like I could feel mm-hmm. my heart racing faster as they switch back and forth rapidly between these two scenes. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was done really well. Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite scenes from season two, especially. And I think it's one of the scenes where it's like when we zoom out and we are like, what separates this show from other shows and what makes it not really a kid's show? Like this is one of the scenes like you can you can point to because it's like, I don't know. Every the whole thing falls apart. Like they're supposed to go to Bossing Say, and everything was supposed to be good. And it's like, this is crazy. You know, it's just like one of those moments. So I really like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that eerie ending, let's get on to our ratings. I'm gonna give this episode a seven. I think it has a lot of great components. As I just mentioned, the scene at the end I think is one of the best scenes in season two, and really just lays out. Um, what Bossing Say is, and the show kind of takes this completely new direction that no one was expecting, really. And so I really love that. Um, I think it builds to that moment really well with the introduction of the Dai Li, and you see kind of all the problems that are going on in the city. And I think they do all this exposition really well. Um, even the fight with um, Jet and Zuko, I really enjoyed. They cut out and in, in and out of it a lot, which was a little annoying, but thought that was good i thought this episode was also kind of funny too so i think there are a lot of good moments i think um it just doesn't it's not as thrilling as i think the best episodes but they're able to get a lot of the exposition done in a really good way in this episode i give it an eight uh i think the world building in this episode is just so so cool uh, i think it's one of the strengths of avatar 
and we get introduced to so many interesting characters and ideas that build are built upon by the rest of the season. And I do think there are some slow moments in in Boston Say. Um, so this is definitely one of the more action-packed episodes. Um, I just have like one weird thought, which is that I believe it's canon that Avatar Kyoshi creates the Dai Li. So it's weird to me that at no point does she jump in and like tell Aang or warn Aang or like let him know what their abilities mm. are. He just kind of, she just kind of like lets him, lets him get like, you know, spied mm. upon. Did they get corrupted during uh, when Kyoshi was alive though, or after she died? I don't know. She herself is also kind of corrupt. I think she like created them because there's like uprising by like the peasants. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I, I have not read the uh, Kyoshi novels, unfortunately. I, I need to do that. Cool. Um, hmm, I've actually had a surprise. I gave this a five, which isn't a bad rating, but you know, it's it's cool to hear you guys talk about it. Um, what you like so much about the episode? Because I would say I also like those things. I guess my rating is just a lot more based on rewatch, which I don't know if that's always like what my rating is based on. But um, it's just a setup episode, which is totally totally necessary for kind of how pivotal of a moment we're in in the season um and like all the buildup there's just so much to learn about the city um but i think as a result of course like it's just not as exciting and um i think the characters really get stripped of their agency in this episode which is kind of just a whole theme of them being in bossing say anyways which maybe just contributes to why I've always thought before that season two isn't like always my favorite, especially this part. Like I do think it's really interesting and like the political drama and like all that. It's like, it's very, um, there's a lot to unravel, but I guess, you know, the characters just don't really get to like do as much. Um, and they're really rendered like pretty helpless, um, starting from this episode. Um, so yeah, I'll just give it a five. Um, obviously it's great for all the reasons you guys said too, but yeah. Okay, cool. That wraps up this episode of the podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope you enjoyed our discussion of City of Walls and Secrets. As always, we release on WhatsApp on Wednesday. So we'll see you next time for our discussion of the tales of Ba Sing Se. If you want to stay up to date on when we release or submit thoughts or questions, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Okay, thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Play me out, Hotman. <laughs>